0: Uh, The passage that came to mind was uh, Psalm 134. It's a short psalm, and I'm just going to uh, read it for us uh, to set the context. Come, bless God, all you servants of God, you priests of God, posted to the night watch in God's shrine. Lift your praising hands to the holy place and bless God. In turn, may God of Zion bless you the God who made heaven and earth. I was reading from the message. The uh, Song of Ascents, as you probably would be familiar with, were the songs that Psalms that the pilgrims sang as they uh, did their annual pilgrimage, sometimes even two or three times a year, uh, up to Jerusalem from wherever they lived. It starts you know, with Psalm 120, and then it goes on up as we go from there. And they're different Psalms, and it's always this; those passages are always a huge blessing to me. But as we come to the end of uh, the Song of Ascents, and Psalm 134 is the last one, this is now when they've reached the end. And I thought it was, uh, you know, uh, meaningful and significant as we too have reached the end of yet another year. And yet, sometimes as we reach the end, we can have mixed feelings, right? Uh, you know, it could be. Looking back with satisfaction, it could be looking back with uh, even sometimes dissatisfaction, or perhaps even after having got what we wanted or we aim to achieve during the year, uh, yet we're still, uh, you know, in a sense, internally, we're disappointed. Uh, one of the roles and uh, en- entities I'm involved with is something called the Colson Fellows, which was started by Chuck Colson. Uh, to develop, uh, you know, leadership in the church. And uh, he tells his story that, uh, you know, he was uh, the right-hand man of President Nixon. Uh, he went to jail uh, this was, uh, because of his role in Watergate. But he tells the story of how on, in 1972, when, uh, when Nixon had won a landslide victory, uh, at the end of that, there were three of them sitting in the White House uh, Nixon's uh, chief of staff, uh, Haldeman, Colson, and uh, President Nixon. And he said that uh, all three of them were absolutely miserable. There was a deflated, he says, a deadness inside me. Three men who were now at the pinnacle of the world, who had put everything into reaching that day. And yet, he says, there was not a single discernible joy in that room. If someone had peered in on us that night from some imaginary peephole in the ceiling of the president's office, what a curious sight it would have been. A victorious president grumbling over words he would have to say to his fallen foe, his chief of staff angry, surly, and snarling, and the architect, that's Chuck Colson, of his political strategy sitting in numb stupor. We work hard, and sometimes we can relate to that. We work hard for it, we get there, And then we find actually at the end of it that we don't really want it. And uh, Chuck Colson had put in most of his life, his family will say it sacrificed everything uh, for three years. And yet when he got there, he couldn't enjoy it. And for some of us, it might be an academic degree, it could be a career position, a standard of living, a lifestyle, whatever it may be. Uh, And yet as we reach the end, we find that uh, we're really not It didn't really satisfy us. And my prayer is that as we look back at this year and all that we have and God has taken us through, that we would be able to, like the psalmist instead, be able to bless the Lord for all that uh, he has done for us. Psalm 120, the start of the Song of Essence, talks about repentance, about turning away from the world and uh, setting ourselves on a goal towards the pilgrimage of faith. And then as we go on, we come to the end of this. Now, what happens at the end of that faith? What happens when we finally arrive? Will we be dis- disappointed? Psalm 134 says, provides the evidence that the way of discipleship, which began with an act of re- repentance, and for each one of us, there was a day when we also personally made that choice to turn and walk on the path. But even in our Christian walk, there are repeated times when we have to reset, as it were, and uh, refocus. The act of repentance concludes in a life of praise. And the word that's used here in Hebrew is the word berika. It doesn't take us long as we look at this very short psalm to see that the key word in this psalm is bless. Bless God, bless God, God bless you. There are two words which are translated blessed in our Bibles. One is the word ashraya, which describes having it all together, you know, uh, a perfect life. Like we read in Psalm 1, we're living in tune with creation and redemption. Psalm 128 also talks about that. And that uh, word is usually only used for men, never of God, except uh, in the New Testament where Paul uses it in his letter to Timothy. The other word for blessing is berakah, which is what God does for us and among us. As he enters into a relationship with us and pours his uh, own life into us, he shares the goodness of his spirit, the vitality of his creation. And so when the first word is repentance, the last word is berakah. God gets down on his knees among us and shares himself among us. And as we've just come through, The Christmas season, we've been reminded of that incarnation. He did not and does not reside afar off. He came down. We were just listening to a sermon yesterday. He left heaven and he came down. And that's what Christmas is all about, right? God came close. He didn't leave man alone. He kneels among us. And that posture is characteristic of God. And that's what really is the good news that we share, that God shares himself graciously and and generously. He knows exactly where we are. He has been born in poverty. He has been a pilgrim. He has been a stranger. Uh, And whatever form this blessing takes, it implies that God is giving himself to us. God enters into our need. He anticipates what we need. He understands us better than we even know ourselves. And so he knows what it is. Whatever the frustrations that you and I have gone through this year and continue to go through, God knows what they're at. He knows what it is to do work which is not appreciated. He knows what it is to do work that is repetitive and seems frustrating. Uh, he knows what it is to be ignored, not listened to. right? And God enters our world. A book on God has for its title... The God who stands, stoops, and stays. That summarizes the posture of blessing. God is, stands with us. He's foundational. He's dependable. A hymn we so often sing on New Year's is, Oh God, our help of ages past, our hope for years to come. God is there. He's dependable. God stoops. He kneels to our level and meets us where we are. And God stays. He sticks with us through the hard times and through the good times, sharing his life with us and his peace. And because God blesses us, we too can bless God. We respond with what which we have received. We participate in that process that God has initiated. We who are blessed, bless. For the word that is used of people in scripture is the sense of praise and gratitude that we have received. We know what it is to receive blessing and therefore we are able to pass it on. In fact, in uh, Judaism, even today, all prayers begin with the first word, that is praise of God, which is called blessing. And as we come to this year end, I think that would be the great word to conclude, which which scripture talks about, which is blessing. Every act of worship, we know, concludes with a benediction. Lord, bless you. And Psalm 134 says, come, bless God, lift your praising hands and bless God. Those pilgrims who sang this had been walking up, uh, traveling in the heat, perhaps, uh, roads that led to Jerusalem. And now they finally arrived uh, with all the threats that existed in those days. Travel was not as easy as it is today. Uh, And now they've come to the temple of God. They've been on the road sometimes for days or weeks. What would happen when they finally reached? what would they feel? What would they do? Would there be joy or would there be a deadness? And so in one way, as we look at the psalm, it's an invitation. It says, come, bless the Lord. The great joy of being in Jerusalem was that they were now invited to be a part of that temple worship. You're welcome. You've reached. Come, join, join in. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Whatever happened on the way, did you have an argument with someone in your family? Forget about it. Come, bless the Lord. Uh, did you quarrel with your neighbor on the way? Come, bless the Lord. Perhaps you even misplaced your kids on the way, as we read in uh, Luke, right? Well, they'll make their own journey. Come, bless the Lord. Put the, whatever it is that happened on the way, put that aside and come, bless the Lord. Perhaps you're ashamed of your feelings. The grumbling that you look back, the, the days when you murmured, uh, well, come bless the Lord. Are you embarrassed about the times that you gave up on the way? Forget about it. Come bless the Lord. You've reached here finally. Come bless the Lord. But it's also more than an invitation, it's a command. Having arrived at this place now, will we just sit around and tell stories? As we look back on a year, we have much to talk about challenges we've been, that each of us that's on this call have survived. We've gone through a wave of the COVID. Will we now sit around and tell stories about the trip? (laughs) Will we spend our time as tourists now that we've reached? Will we be, you know, shopping? We've got to Jerusalem. There are other things to do. Or will we start looking for the next challenge? And the psalmist says, no, you're here because God blessed you. Now you bless God. And I pray that as we stop where we are today at the start, as almost at the end of this year, that we would take this as both an invitation and a command. Whatever the year has brought us, let's just stop and bless the Lord. Our stories may be interesting, but they're really not the point. Our achievements may be great, but they're really not the point. We have as Paul writes to Corinthians, when that which is complete comes, the incomplete will be canceled. Bless God, because that's what he has created us for. Let's lift our voices in unison, no matter what the year has been. Let's enter into a community of praise and bless God. And yet, perhaps you feel that, okay, yeah, that's true, but I don't feel like blessing God. I don't feel like it. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I can't bless God if I don't feel like it, right? And the biblical response says, Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. You and I can lift up our hands. It's a simple movement. We may not be able to command our hearts sometimes, but we can command our hands, right? Lift up your hands in blessing, and your heart will get the message and be lifted up in praise. We are psychosomatic beings and our spirit and bodies are intrinsically linked. Go through the motions of blessing God, and your spirit will pick up on that cue and also follow along. For us, why do men lift their hands and praise so that their hearts may be raised at the same time? That's what Calvin said. And you and I, so often, I think, in this world, we think of, you know, feelings must come before action. But scripture typically follows the other way around. Isaac took Rebecca, then he loved her. We so often, sometimes today, put the cart before the horse. In today's world, those of you from HR would know about behavior modification, which in really, in a sense, is making yourself, uh, you act the way that you want to be and you act yourself into that behavior. I don't feel like talking to this person, but because I talk to him, relationship is restored and then the feelings follow. And so sometimes we think that the only way to change our behavior is to change our feelings. So we take a pill so that we don't feel, you know, angry or whatever it is. But the Bible and older wisdom would say is change our behavior and then we can change our feelings. And sometimes I know myself, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like going to church. But then we go to church and when we put ourselves in that place of worship, then the feelings uh, follow and we find ourselves blessed and we can bless ourselves. Most likely, the psalm was first written to the Levites who were serving in the temple at night. They were the professional worshippers of uh, worship over there. And he says to the priests of God posted in the night watch, they walked in shifts right through 24-7 through the festival. And through the night, some of them were you know on duty. And you could imagine that in those nights, in the late part of the night, The worship could become a bit, you know, meaningless, listless. Uh, What can you expect at three o'clock in the morning, right? I don't think I would be able to worship too much at three in the morning. But the psalmist says, no excuses. Your feelings might be flat, but you can control your muscles. Lift your hand. Humphrey Bogart once defined a professional as a person who did a better job when he didn't feel like it. And I can relate to that. That's what we want at work, those who do what they have to do because they need to do it. And that goes for a Christian too. Feelings don't run the show. There's a reality deeper than our feelings. The Lord has blessed us. Let's bless him. To be able to bless each other, we also need to not take ourselves too seriously. And uh, people who If we have to bless others, we need to be able to see what God has done for us. And Karl Barth is a great example of that. He said that the theologian who has no joy in his work is not a theologian at all. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and borrowing ways, as per him, are intolerable for a theologian. And I think it's intolerable for each Christian. Not to say that we don't have our ups and downs. Not to say that we don't have moments of sadness or deep uh, sadness for that matter, but we keep the bigger picture that God has blessed us and so we can bless others. Charles Dickens in his books reminds talks about a character of a person, a religious lady who called her rigidity religion. And I think so often we know people like that, right? We find that thing too far often, but it's not something we find in scripture. In scripture, we talk; Jesus talks about joy the person who found the lost sheep, he had, they have a party for it, right? He says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner rescued than on 99 who were lost. Not relief, not surprise, but joy. And so at the as we look on this day, as we look, as we come to the end of this year, I pray that for each one of us, there would not be deadness inside like it was for Chuck Colson, but there would be joy. There's blessing at the end of the road. And that which is at the end of the road then influences everything else that has taken place along the road. Our chief end, as those of you, from a, you know, from a traditional background would know in the Westminster Confession, is to have joy in God, right? Delight in what is in God is essential to our work. The first question in the Westminster Catechism is what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We are here and God has kept us here to glorify him and enjoy him. There are many other things in Christian discipleship, of course. And we've. if you go through the Psalms, you see so many of them. But The main thing is not work for the Lord, is not suffering for the Lord, is not even witnessing for the Lord, or, or teaching for the Lord. The main thing is that we are to enjoy him, to glorify God, or as the psalmist says in 134, to bless God. And blessing can only come out of a heart of gratitude. Grace and gratitude go together. So as we look back on the year, let's look back and see what all that God has done and that that out of that heart of gratitude, may blessing come back. God, you have blessed us. Now we bless you so that we too today come to that place where we are in a place that we've arrived, God, thank you for your faithfulness. You blessed me, I will bless you. So come, each one of us, let's bless God and God bless you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord, uh, each day that you have brought us to this day and to the end of another year. We thank you for the reminder these past few days, Lord, that you are not afar but you have come close lord you entered our world you came as a babe lord born in a manger lord you have been where we have been perhaps in places even where we've never been but lord you have experienced every pain every emotion every thought and lord we thank you that you continue to walk with us lord you haven't left us but your spirit is there in us and you know exactly what we go through And so, Father, we thank you that you have been faithful. And, Lord, you have brought us to this day. And, Lord, as we look back, we can see your hand of faithfulness, and we bless you for it, Lord. You have blessed us mightily, Lord, in so many different ways. eh? And so, Lord, we bless you back. And I pray that for each one of us on this call, Lord, that our lives would be lives of blessing, testimony of how good our God is. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.